The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief, you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Happy Easter. Today is still, in the eyes of the church, Easter Sunday. Before today is Divine Mercy Sunday, it is Easter Sunday. In fact, it is because today is still in the celebration and the prayer of the church, still Easter Sunday, that it has the aspect of mercy about it. 
And that's the beautiful element of this very unique day that we celebrate today. Our gospel reading captures that beautifully because on the one hand, it begins on the evening of Easter Sunday, the conclusion of Easter. And, but it continues to the following Sunday, which would be today. A Sunday which has a double aspect about it then. The aspect of concluding our initial joyful encounter with the resurrection of the Lord, the great mystery of our faith. And yet, in that conclusion of that joyful celebration, turning forward to a world that needs to receive that joy and that goodness. And at issue today, at issue today is the importance of contact. It's not a word we often use. And yet it is vitally important as we hear our readings today, the issue of touching, the issue of making contact with someone, with something. Because at the heart of the Easter mystery, if one reads all of the scriptures about Easter carefully, Easter is the mystery by which the mercy of God makes contact with us. We often think that it's on Calvary, but that's not exactly true. The entire world sees the suffering of Jesus on the cross, but the news of the merciful victory that that suffering wins for us comes through the experience of the Lord risen from the dead. How absolutely beautiful that is. And so note what we heard in our first reading. The setting is Jerusalem. The church is young and has only begun preaching the gospel. But as the apostles go forth, there is a dramatic response to them because there is a hunger within the woundedness of the world for what the apostles have been announcing. And so what do we hear? Not just that they came and announced a fact. St. Peter and the others didn't simply proclaim a fact, Jesus is risen, as if that's news and information. And if we know something and our curiosity is satisfied, we're okay. Rather, they preached a summons. They preached a call. They called out to the world and said, the one whom you rejected, the one whom you cast aside, the one who was wounded and broken for you has been raised from the dead, and so forgiveness can be yours. Don't know that. Don't just hear that, but come forward and receive the forgiveness that he has won for you. The Easter proclamation is first and foremost a call to embrace the mercy that Christ has won for us in his self-giving on the cross and his rising from the dead, not as an avenger, 
but as one who forgives and one who heals. And so what do we see? Jerusalem is stirred up with what happens in the church. And as St. Peter walks through the streets, what do the people say? If only his shadow would fall on me. They want to be close enough for a touch of some kind, even if it is the touch of a shadow. Imagine that. And so the wounded and the sick and the afflicted and the needy are brought out to the street where he is passing in the hope that even the passing contact of a shadow might be theirs. Because the shadow of the proclamation has a healing character about it. What a remarkable incident that really is. Absolutely marvelous and breathtaking. And if we are honest about our own selves, when we are at our most desperate and our most wounded, deep within us, isn't that the longing? Even the shadow of your presence, Lord, just let it pass by. Because that would be better than the false light of this world in which I live. Even a glancing touch, O oh Lord, would heal me and make such a difference to my wounded heart. This is the very essence of the Easter proclamation, the very essence of the mystery we celebrate. And this is what we see writ large in this beautifully mysterious of appearance of Jesus to his disciples and the evening of that first Easter day, where unlike us, they were all inside. But where were they? It was a Sunday, and they were gathered indoors at the place of the Last Supper, the place of the first Mass. Sunday, where Mass is celebrated, and they are together. This gospel account from St. John is not simply speaking about those 11 men 2,000 years ago. It's speaking about those of us who gather here on a Sunday where Mass is celebrated. And just like here, when in a few minutes Jesus is going to be here in his body and in his blood, personally, intensely present to us, he appeared there behind the locked doors where they had gathered. But the difference is, superficially, they were behind locked doors. And when we're behind a locked door, it is not, it's never merely an issue of we've locked the door and so no one can get in. By definition, if the door is locked, I'm also not going out. And so a locked door is like a jail. And the apostles have locked themselves in in their fear and their insecurity and their woundedness and their pain. And the Lord in his goodness appears 
where they are, within their uncertainty, within their fear, within their pain, where they have closed in around themselves, he has suddenly appeared and he's rude. He doesn't knock. He just shows up. He breathes on them. He gives them his peace. He gives them a mission to go and carry his merciful forgiveness into the world. And they rejoice when they see him. And they see his hands and his feet. And they know that the one who was wounded is the one who is alive. But only ten of them were there. And so the last one, Thomas, comes back. And he comes back into the, into the room with the other apostles. And he is greeted by something strange. They're curiously happy. And they say, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas looks at them and says, no, you didn't. We have seen the Lord. No, you did not. Thomas, he was right here. We saw his hands and his feet. No, you didn't. Imagine going through a week of this. We've seen the Lord. No, you didn't. And yet there is a vitally important lesson for us in what happens here. Normally, we blame Thomas. And we say Thomas is thick-headed. And Thomas is stubborn. And Thomas just doesn't get it. But the real question is not, why doesn't Thomas believe? The real question is, why wasn't the announcement of the resurrection effective? Why weren't the apostles convincing? What an interesting question that is. Because let's not forget, Thomas was the only guy who didn't lock himself in. Thomas was outside. Thomas is the guy who, for whatever reason, maybe they ran out of food and he went for Chinese. <laughs> maybe somebody needed to find out what was going on and he went to find the news. But the only thing, you know, maybe he was just upset with everybody and needed to just get a break. Maybe he was slow in getting back. We don't know why he was out there, but we do know he wasn't locked in. And he comes back. The man who wasn't locked in comes back and he is met with a witness that doesn't reach him. This is important because we style ourselves people of faith and people who believe in the resurrection of the Lord, and yet oftentimes our witness is weak and uncompelling. And St. John sneaks a detail into this passage which gives us a hint at what went wrong. Thomas is looking for something more than the apostles witnessed to. And so his attitude is this. You mean to tell me that Jesus was right here, right in front of you, and he showed you his hands 
and his side, and all you did was take a look? Not one of you touched him? Not one of you stepped forward and made contact with him? All you did was look? I'm not interested in the witness of a guy who took a look. Because I need to touch. I need to meet him. I need to make contact with what he has done for me. I need to feel those wounds and touch the glory of their new life. I need to know that. I don't care that you think you saw something. You haven't told me that anyone met you or that you met anyone. And secondly, Thomas says, if you saw the Lord and he was really here, why did I have to knock on the door to get back in? Because the door was still locked. And we know that because a week later Jesus appeared, even though, St. John says, the door was locked. A frightened witness is no witness. An insecure witness is no witness. Notice what Thomas is saying as he speaks for all of those who weren't locked in and who desperately need to hear what the church has to offer. I need to hear from someone who's met him. I need to know someone can bring me into contact with him. And so wonderfully, Jesus appears again. And note to his credit, Thomas is there because he knows he's not going to meet Jesus someplace else. And the Lord comes and he says, Thomas, Thomas. And note what he does. Here's my hand. Come forward and go ahead and touch. Here's my side. Come forward and touch it. Feel the wound and know the glory. And meet me in all that I have done and overcome for you. Come forward and do this. And to his credit, Thomas doesn't say, no, that's okay, Lord, I'm good, I'll just take a look. He comes forward, he touches, and he drops to his knees. The other ten guys didn't do that. And doubting Thomas, who needed to make contact, based on that contact, gives the single greatest profession of faith in all of Scripture. From his knees, he looks up at Christ, whom he has seen and touched and met. And he says, you are my Lord, and you are my God. None of the other ones said that either. Note how powerful contact with this mystery that we take for granted is. This is not simply touching the passion, it is touching the resurrection. Not simply touching the wound, but touching the new life, the healing, the glory. This is what we do today. 
And this is why when we come forward and stretch out our hands today, understand what happens here. In a few minutes, I will hold up the body and blood of Christ before your eyes, and I will say, behold the Lamb of God. In other words, take a look and see. But we're not here for a look, are we? We didn't come here for a look. We've come to make contact. So what happens next? We leave our benches and we come forward because the Lord will stand here at the front of the sanctuary. And as each one hears those words, the body of Christ, that is Jesus saying to us, here are my hands. Touch me and know me. Here is my side. Touch me and know me. Meet me in my victorious self-giving and know me. And how different the world would be if on this day, in all of our parishes, as the faithful came forward, each one of us at least tried to meet and to know the Lord in this way because then we would go forth indeed as true messengers of forgiveness, as true messengers of mercy, as those who don't speak about a stranger when we speak about the Lord. And what a great gift indeed that would be. Amen.